Hello, my name is Jennifer Roden, and I have been a public educator for 24 years. Since I became a school psychologist in 2006, my favorite part of the job has been consulting with parents. We've laughed, we've cried, and I'm always happy to catch up over the course of years. I pride myself in conversing with parents using the same kind and sensitive tone that I would use if it were my own mother sitting across from me. I'm glad you're here, and I look forward to supporting you. Thank you for tuning in to Ask Jen Psych. Well, hello there, listeners. Uh, This is Jen Roden coming at you with Ask Jen Psych, and today I have two guests that are not school psychologists, but I adore them, and I've known them for a long time. Um, One is my husband, John Roden, and he is a band director, and as is my other favorite band director, Dave Tatter. And today you would think, um, why is that relevant to school psychology? Well, you're going to find out. Um, Gentlemen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Hello, everybody. (laughs) Just getting used to the microphone here, myself and the uh, headphones here, but... Uh, my name's John. I've been a band director here for 16 years, uh, teaching middle school, college level, high school as well. Um, currently, I'm teaching middle school levels, and uh, that includes, you know, beginning instruments and things like that. And uh, I had originally started on the saxophone uh, when I was about 12 years old, and now I play all the wind instruments. So you got to be able to do it if you want to show them how. So I've been doing a lot of things that I'm not real comfortable with, including tuba, flute, stuff like that. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, my days are taken up by playing instruments and getting kids going with that. So I'm sure we'll go farther. But that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for coming today. And Dave? Dave here. Uh, You'll quickly realize that John and I do the same job just for two different school districts. So (laughs) it's been a a fast friendship. Uh, Yeah, 17th year of teaching. I've taught uh, both in-state and out-of-state, urban, suburban, rural. Uh, I'm a cellist by nature, so uh, a lot of string teaching. And I've been a string player at a band world for a very long time. That's also the nature of our area. So like John, I play an eighth grade level on everything I teach. So I can show (laughs) the kids what's going on. But uh, yeah, it's, and certainly as a music educator, you kind of do everything. There's all kinds of stuff that you get yourself involved in. So when it's even if your primary instrument is one thing, you're going to play them all at some point and then sing and then play piano and, and do all the things. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming in today. Um, most of you may or may not know that my career started as a music teacher. I taught for seven years in a rural community a little bit south of here. And uh, I did fifth grade beginning band, but not nearly as well as these gentlemen. And um, so it's a neat perspective. And I thought I'd bring them in today because we have some some topics to share. So one, we'll get the uh, easy one out of the way first. Um, one, one thing that I was up against when I was teaching back in the early or late 90s, early 2000s was, um, you know, what if you're starting your child on a band instrument, um, what are some good guidelines for purchasing that instrument? I know that a lot of people would get upset with me because I was like, no, 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 you don't want to go to Walmart. No offense to Walmart, but I'm interested to know, you know, if you guys could share why. John, you want to take band and I'll take orchestra? That sounds good. Love it. All right. Uh, from the band world, uh, beginning students need durable instruments. And sometimes when they come from places that aren't known for their musical quality, I'll just put it that way, uh, that they break easy and you're starting over right off the bat. 
So when kids are getting started on instruments, I kind of go through a little bit of a process with them. I uh, figure out if they're going to be more a brass player or woodwind player, but I give them options. So they've, they've tried a few before they're picking one. As they go forward, it's kind of this checklist. And the first thing is ask friends and local people around and see if you can find one that way. We'll try to repair it. Uh, older instruments aren't necessarily worse. Usually they're a lot more durable, and uh, that's a good thing. So used is good. If you find one at a yard sale, you find one at a store, and uh, it, it's a recognizable brand, that's a good way to go. And then obviously there's places, less and less, but uh, frequently you can find a music store where you can go in and actually put your hands on it. And that's usually where I direct people. You, you, you have the buyer beware thing if you go to Amazon or if you go online, if you buy something you haven't held or seen in person. You never know. It might be a Christmas ornament when it gets to you. <laughs> so I encourage people to buy things that they've handled before. And uh, and I have a lot, too, that I could pull in from my side of things. If people are willing to say, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find one. Mm-hmm. What can we do here? Uh, surely there's something we can do. And that's where I kick in. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, instruments end up being a buy, you know, get what you pay for kind of situation, like a lot of other things. Uh, strings, the nuance with strings is simply because of their construction. They're, of course, wooden instruments that are glued together. And so they are inherently a little bit more fragile. Uh, and because the, the instrument is its own speaker, the entire instrument has to resonate in order for it to create its own sound. And that's the same for the band instruments as well. But again, the wood nature of the string instrument makes that a little bit more complex. You can find string instruments on Amazon for 50 bucks, but it's going to sound like, play like, act like, and wear like an instrument of $50 worth. Uh, And your student will very quickly outplay that instrument. That was something I experienced with my own beginner cello. My private lesson teacher said, this instrument will not give you any more sound. You are already better. And it was wow. a year. Okay. I mean, it was not It was not that long, it, but it was very clear that your talent has already gone beyond what the instrument is capable of providing. Mm. And now what you've done is bought an instrument for a child and they can't progress. And that's obviously the opposite of what you're looking for. Right. So similar to what John was saying, you want to hold it in your hand. You want to, you know, you want to get that thing. Used instruments in the string world can be tough unless they're a higher level. So your music stores are your best resource because they're guaranteed to have quality instruments that they can back with their own repair people because yes. things are going to break. They're going to get dinged. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, buying grandma's violin that she'd used in middle school while nostalgic <laughs> is probably going to work against your student at some point. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I liked what you said about, you know, it's maybe the equipment, you know, being a, a outgrowing it really quickly physically even like by the time they're you know fifth grade to eighth grade they're like a totally different person they might be twice as tall no doubt the uh the thing i I may be interested to hear your string point of view on this but i think it's actually more important to have a good mouthpiece you could actually buy a mouthpiece that's decent and make a a cheaper instrument sound better than having to get the flashiest shiniest one the looks aren't as important as that fundamental. I wonder how that would look on like a string situation, like if a good bridge could be added to something. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out yeah. there. Typically with strings, it's a package deal. So a beginner instrument is a beginner instrument because everything about it's a beginner instrument. And so putting better strings on a beginner instrument doesn't make the impact 
like it would in a, in a band situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a beginning instrument is intended to be just that. It's a little bit more durable. It's a little bit cheaper. It's still going to make the sound that you need. Yeah. But yeah, that's good. I would not put cheap instruments on my good cello, nor would I put good strings on a cheap cello. Yeah. You sort of work mm-hmm. those things in lockstep. I'm hearing durable a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's important with kids, like Absolutely. with anything that you get, yeah. really. Yeah. And it's nice, too, because I know, you know, I, I, just obviously being John's wife, you know, there's instruments drives that they have at schools sometimes that if somebody can't afford an instrument you don't want to deny somebody that opportunity mm-hmm. so you know there are ways around it you know the sometimes schools have instrument drives and there's old instruments to borrow like you're better off borrowing i mean let's face it we're sitting in a recording studio that i did not buy all this equipment because i wanted to try it first i mm-hmm. wanted to see if it was something that i could actually do and use so um, there's something to be said about durability and actually, you know, trying something out first. Every couple of years, I poll the community for anybody who has instruments sitting around, and I always get eight or ten instruments from, That's I great. played this in middle school, and, you know, I'm not going to use it anymore. People ha- hold on to those things because of the nostalgia and the connection, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean they're using them. Right. So it is difficult. I've never thrown an instrument away in my life, so Heck I can no. totally understand that. But there's always people that have instruments, and if they know a kid is going to use it, it sort of ties in that personal connection to I'm gifting somebody else an experience instead of just I'm getting rid of trash. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. even if they don't care about gifting the experience, it's a tax write-off. Yes. I mean, let's face it. <laughs> I've also drafted those papers too. Yes. Yeah. 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 Been in a fortunate position where, you know, if you get an idea for their aptitude, you can kind of see – all right, they're going to be good on a certain thing or not, and the school has that. Mm-hmm. If you get into one where you know the family is maybe not going to be able to acquire that thing, you want them in there because you know you've got other things about band that would benefit that person, and you just want them in there. Yeah. So you know, you see a kid who can play low brass. It's not like you're going to go send them to get a tuba on their own unless they want to. But you got one of those at the school. Like, listen, I want to get you in here. I got a tube before you. Let's not worry about it. I got you all set. Yes. And that's a nice thing about our district. Like, like many around here, we have a li- a pretty nice school fleet, though outdated. That you can kind of send a student that direction and say, hey, listen, you're just the kind of kid I want to have in here. Let's let's set you up with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts or points about the quality instrument acquisition? Don't let the sticker shock scare you, uh, especially if it's the first time you're sending kids through anything. Uh, you know, I, I have two children of my own, and they're in both musical and non-musical activities. Everything costs money. Yeah, no uh, doubt. And quality instruments cost money. Um, there's two riders on my homeowner's insurance. It's my wife engagement ring and my cello. They're worth a lot of money, yeah. you know, because you've made that investment. Now, I've had that instrument for 15 years, so um, – so obviously it's worth it. But so don't let the sticker shock get you. If mm-hmm. you buy a quality instrument, it could last your child all the way through high school. Great. You know, and then you're only making that investment once. Mm-hmm. And well, then if and then if they decide to make it their life's work, yeah, you're going to make another investment like anybody else would. But sure. maybe not. And maybe that's the instrument they keep. Yeah. Well, My wife still has her saxophone because yeah. it still works. Yeah. I was going to say, John, don't you still use the same or you, at least. At school, you have the same saxophone you played in middle school. Yeah, I have all three of my saxophones, including the first one that came from a yard sale. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And I'm his wife, and I did not know that he owned three saxophones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
Oops. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's okay. I know they're at school. Yeah. <laughs> he, he owns more than one pair of skis as well. But oh, that's hey, a, that's easy. A topic yeah, this is about band. Oh, hey, oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So um, now time to get into kind of the meat of our discussion today. Um, one thing that, you know, as we were kind of pre-game discussing, like, what we would talk about to make it relevant to my purposes and also for you guys um, band directors, you know, we have actually any specials teacher is very unique in their um, knowledge of the student body. Like right now on our student assistance program, we have the phys ed teacher and he knows all the kids. And it's so valuable because he not only does he know you in kindergarten, he knows you in fifth grade. And if, so, you know, if your classroom teacher doesn't notice there's a marked difference between your behavior or your affect or whatever, um, because they just know you that year, that that gym or art or music teacher is going to say, wait a minute, little Johnny or little Dave is like, they're different this year. Something's going on. So... And outside of that, you gentlemen wear lots of hats in your profession. So could you tell us a little bit about that? Ooh, and there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, yes, the I think the longevity of knowing the students. You know, if I start a kid in sixth grade and then they join the marching band, I have them for six or seven years. Mm -hmm. And often that connection will last into college or, or whatever else. You just develop a connection. And I'm sure a lot of athletic coaches would say the same thing if they're working with youth programs and then on into the middle and the high school, they're developing a similar connection. Mm -hmm. I also think specials, you know, in the arts, anything that requires, you know, part of your inner self to come out, there's a natural part of that connection, a shared experience. You know, mm -hmm. you're sharing emotion, you're sharing, you know, hardship and strife and goal setting and all of these other things. Uh, I mean, in terms of many hats, I have been We'll see if we'll see if John and I can make the whole list. I've certainly been a mentor. I've been a social worker. I've been a mental health counselor. Mm -hmm. I've been an instrument repairman. I've been a salesman to school boards. I've been oh. uh, a budget manager. I've been a personnel manager. What am I missing, John? Probably eight or ten more things. How about mechanic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nurse. Yep. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and I think the more involved you get in your school music program, and I say this as a, as a faculty member, you know, my day job is the middle school band and orchestra. My, my side gig is the musical and the marching band. So oh, wow, yeah. it's, it's all encompassing. And so between all of those things, yeah, I'm fixing instruments and handling sick kids and dealing with parents and kids and staying in between those sort of situations or, uh, yeah, it's a lot. There's a lot. And I think a lot of our specials teachers would say that even if they're not doing an extracurricular because of the time that you spend with the kids and the inherent personal nature of the art that you're creating, whether it's in an art class or a cabinet making class or, mm -hmm. you know, again, part of yourself is being poured into that. That creates connection that is unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The many hats thing makes me laugh. I remember my band director, John Marzlak, saying that because, you know, he's a guy who he just could get through to every level of person, you know? And as a, like a 10 year old kid, he's talking to me the same way he would be his senior drum major, which I eventually became. So I saw him as, you know, a coach the whole way, but you know, I've also heard it called spinning plates too. You can't do it all perfectly. And that gets really tough, especially if you're an empath and you want to be able to, you know, hit the nail on the head, catch the thing when it's happening and really, you know, make that difference. Cause it's not always during the band class, like you were saying, mm -hmm. You know, seeing a kid for six years and all of a sudden, you know, they're talking about real life stuff like, whoa, 
you know, we're, we're not that different, you know, we're, we're, we're as one. I think that's a great thing about it too. You know, we perform as one thing. It's not teacher and student. It's just us. We talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you end up being one unit rather than, you know, this is you guys doing it. Uh, you know, you were talking about the inherent personal nature of the art. Oh man, it's the best part and the hardest part of For all sure. of us. I think Absolutely. if you can get through it to the music. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. I remember one of my, that was one of my favorite parts about being a music teacher. And I often look back wistfully, like, why do I do all this paperwork? I should just be teaching music again because it, there's nothing else like concert night. You know, those I'll, I'll never forget these little fifth graders and they're wearing like sequined ball gowns and lipstick. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love you. You're so adorable. But they just look at you like, you know, you're you're getting me to do this thing that's completely different. And it, humi- it humanizes somebody who might have a lot of academic difficulties, might have a lot of, you know, family problems or behavioral problems. And then all of a sudden they can do something. So it's like they come to you and they all of a sudden you might have kids. And I know John does who had a lot of problems growing up. And then all of a sudden they're in band and they're performing. And all of a sudden they have friends now. All of a sudden they have, you know, they have a teacher who likes them, who calls their parent and says, wow, you know, so-and-so is doing such a great job. And it's... just something different it kind of spins things positively for somebody who might not have already had a positive role model in school so you wear many hats but hats off to you oh well done (laughs) yeah uh, you just made me think of something too you know we're always recruiting that's something we both have to do all the time you know people don't just fall into the band room usually so you have to go find them and you know show interest in them and show interest in their person you know and that often happens where it's not a band thing so for instance on my side of things uh fifth graders go to camp and at camp i love happened i happen to love camping so uh my job was to teach fire building so a lot of the times i meet these kids building fires and say hey in a couple of weeks, we'll be signing up for band. You should think about it. You're a good kid. I think you'd really like it. And all of a sudden, we've got, you know, a couple lines in the water to kids that maybe just needed some attention. Hey, like, oh, this guy, like, thinks I can do it. <laughs> that doesn't, maybe doesn't happen to them very often. And then the other side of things is just, you know, when you're a band director in a, in a building that's, you know, four grades or high school, middle school, you're kind of aware of their changes and those little subtleties about them and every grade level. And you can kind of really be of assistance to your principals and your other teachers when things are happening around because you kind of have a bead on that. You know the kids really well and you can read through the subtleties of what's happening in the building. It can be nuts. Like this time of year, obviously it's pretty crazy in schools and everybody's worn down going into the holiday. But, you know, having that little bit of extra intel about what's going on in the building, I feel like that's that's pretty good stuff too. You yeah. Know, being aware. Music teachers tend to understand pretty quickly that they're – their value in the building is being an escape for the kids from the heavy academics as as mm-hmm. core requirements or graduation requirements continue to stack up on these poor children you know the the band room ends up being this really nice respite and so it does provide us a little bit of freedom it's it's a gift that i've been given as a music educator is the freedom to take a tangent mm-hmm. and go off on a limb and take these other sort of directions i love a good tangent in the classroom i'm a huge tech nerd you know, I love to hear about what the kids are doing with their, you know, what kind of music they're listening to. And so we're going to leverage Spotify resources and do all these other things. Yes. And yeah. So if we don't play for a day, fine. 
because we still made a connection and we still found a way to kind of get them involved. And I love when you're talking about recruiting, you know, with bringing these kids in the program, there are so many times where as a band director, you look at, you know, yes, there are kids that I need in order to fill particular roles. This kid's a great horn player and I need a good horn player. This kid's a really good bass player and I need a good bass player. But you also very quickly realize kids who need the program more than they need you. You know, that need a place to be, that need a place to come in and feel safe because music groups end up being a really nice social equalizer. I'm thinking about, you know, in the world of IEPs and Chapter 15s and special needs students Mm -hmm. and gifted and all of these other kind of labels that end up compartmentalizing these kids. My band and orchestra classes right now have every single one of those in there. Yeah. I have life skills students. I have emotional support students. I have gifted students sitting next to chapter 15 and IEP students and they don't care because that's not what it's about. The focus is about the shared goal of performance and the shared goal of learning and the safe space to make silly noises and do goofy things, particularly in beginning instrumentals and beginning orchestra, if I can. (laughs) Not everybody loves the beginning violin like I do. I think angels are singing when sixth graders are playing violins. I'll bring a beginner clarinet class over and we'll battle. (laughs) Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah, it does get a little Uh, bit. It gets better, though. (laughs) But that that social equalizer makes it a really safe place for all kinds of kids because it really isn't about anything else but your effort. It's not even necessarily about your talent. I don't know how you feel about that, John. Like, totally I'll, agree. I'll take a kid who works hard over a kid with natural talent any day. Right. Oh, yeah. You right. need natural talent kids, but somebody who's going to work hard is always the preferred because they're there for the right reasons. They're for there sure. to improve and to support. They're not there to showboat. Right. Well, and like the, you know, you mentioned like the gifted students, for instance, like let's face it, for gift, most gifted students, everything's easy for them until all of a sudden muscle memory needs to be involved. Like the hand-eye coordination and things like that. So it, I like the point about how it's a great social yeah. equalizer because, you know, they sometimes need to feel what it's like to try, Yeah. you know, and then the kids who have IEPs get a chance to have a good social outlet. You know, they're no longer just that kid who's in that class, but all of a sudden they're, you know, it's my friend. So I like that. Yeah. Well, they, they end up being academically tracked and with the same group of students. And mm-hmm. in a specials class, they're mixing them with everybody else. Love it. So you find, you know, unique friendships. And I, I we just had a student come in and, you know, I met with the family and she's got some social things going on that they were concerned about and this and that. And, and I said, I'd only had her one day before we had student parent-teacher conferences Mm -hmm. and I said she came in and the kids were immediately playing along with her and they were telling stories and she was showcasing this and and her mom was just shocked and I said the kids just embraced her she's in an orchestra class and they're all string players and they all love other string players and so it was an instant (laughs) friend and mom was just totally taken aback with that but that's that's what we're about right you know well yeah. that's a beauty too because ieps and 504 plans chapter 15 gifted everything's confidential mm-hmm. so it's not like you you as the teacher know that the kid has an iep you know who has a chapter 15 or whatever but the kids don't know mm-hmm. it's just another kid right that they didn't know before and all of a sudden hey that they're cool they do the same thing as me well like and all that. of our special ed teachers are going to cringe at this but i've never I have never in my classes changed expectations for a student who was on an IEP. Mm-hmm. That happens naturally in the process. Sure. But I remember an administrator going, well, maybe they only play eight out of ten notes right. And I went, uh, that's really sweet of you to say, but that's really not how this works. <laughs> what it's going to be is if that kid takes another week to get those ten notes, so yeah. what? 
So what? So what? Mm-hmm. But I've never looked at a piece of music and went, you don't have to play that line. You don't have to play that line. You don't have to play that line. Because well, that's not what it's about. And they know? would get lost. Yeah, absolutely. That would yeah. be worse. It's the journey. <laughs> and if it takes you longer, it takes you longer. Sure. And we teach that. Yeah. It might take that kid longer. So what? Oh, my gosh. I've told John this story a hundred times. But there was a kid back when I was teaching. And the, and I had a Christmas concert coming up. And uh the teacher's like, he's never taken his flute home, ever. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. And I'll tell you what, I didn't think for a million years he would have shown up for the concert, and he sure did. And I'll tell you what, he was up there, he was moving his fingers, he was swinging his hips, he performed the heck out of that piece. Mm-hmm. He didn't blow into the flute, <laughs> but he had a great time. Yeah. And he was, you know, it, so it just goes to show like the kids are going to they're not going to want to stick out in the concert. Yeah. They're going to they're going to assume the role and they're going to do the best they, they can with what they got. We call that a holder. <laughs> That's OK, though. You need those. Yeah, I was need so those. mad. But now I have this great story. I mean, that kid's yeah. probably like 35 by now. But... Everybody needs a holder. And yeah. if he's like any other adult I talk to, they as soon as you tell them that you're a, mid- a music teacher, they immediately say what instrument they played and how much they loved it. It's oh, an immediate oh, response. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I have yet to meet an adult that went, I hated band. And they're like, oh, you used to play the clarinet, and I think I still have it. And I go, why don't you donate it? Because there's another game. <laughs> yeah, right. we, we could use that. But yeah, but that's, yeah, I'm sure he remembers. Whether oh, yeah. he played a note or not, it doesn't matter. I don't he was re- at a band concert. I remember his first name. I won't say it, but I'll, I don't remember his last name. And it, it was just like the most hilarious experience. But hey, his parents took pics. They thought it was great. Yeah. It was, you know, the social aspect for him was really. It was meaningful. That's so what it's that was, about. That was cool. I mean, right now, that's huge. Coming off of COVID and, you know, we're building our communities back up. You know, every band director in the whole area is, you know, having to work on that. Um, I maybe took a little different approach uh, as far as, you know, community comes first. I heard you talking that way, too. Uh, I know you feel the same way where, you know, you embrace a new player. You know, string players love string players. Everything's cool. They're right in the flow. And that's awesome. Uh, you know, I grade my students on their decorum in class, their preparedness, um, manners count and things like that. And all students start with 100 percent. So if we have issues, you know, continued issues, that's where we start to say, hey, listen, I, you, we got to look at this or are you sure bands for you? So it's more of just like the community first. And once they feel they belong, then we can really talk about what we can do with that. You know, we get kids in there that are coming from all sorts of backgrounds and, you know, they're at different levels of preparedness and ability, but you know, the, the culture of the band is always number one. I feel like that can, that can change a lot in a short time too. You really have to work on it like a garden, you know, you're really tending to your people and checking in with everyone. And the fact that you care is what matters to them. You know, you're checking in with them, you know, the fact that you want them to be in a good place and enjoy what they're doing it, you know, any notes could follow that. And if you're, you know, pushing the, you got to achieve a certain thing, then all of a sudden, like, where's the fun part? It all becomes like the other classes and not to, you know, throw shade over there, but, you know, we're saying music class is different and band is different Mm -hmm. for being, you know, years in a row or the escape from the rigor of the other stuff. You know, we're, we're community first and then, you know, the notes will figure out. We just need to make sure that we're working for each other. So, yeah. I noticed you didn't say that you grade on musical ability. No. And I think that's important. Yeah. That rewrite, that'll come. And then the thing that the, the, the only thing I'll end up telling my students is the fun of music is doing it well. 
like that that's when this really gets good yeah so i'm not going to grade them on that but that's part of it so yes we're going to build a community and mm -hmm. do all of those things but you know in that journey the kids quickly realize that being a bad musician is not nearly as enjoyable as being a good musician <laughs> you know for everyone like yeah for everyone involved yeah honking yeah. and squawking's funny for a bit but eventually you want to feel a sense of accomplishment and that's yeah. where that it doesn't need to be graded right it naturally happens because uh -huh. the feedback that you get from mm -hmm. accomplishment and that long-term journey of being a musician for right. sure well i'm glad to hear that you don't neither one of you grade based on ability because truly you you both have beginners i mean what are you supposed to yeah some poor kid he's they're just trying their best now practice is one thing that Oof. we didn't write down uh, on our whiteboard here <laughs> nobody likes practice what's the next topic <laughs> <laughs> but um okay just real quick yeah if for your beginners you don't do you grade practice no i know john no, does not i do not okay no. so how much would you recommend because it's gonna sound bad moms and dads it's not gonna sound good right away no, good. but yeah. they're not gonna get any better unless they do it a little bit every day so what would you say would be a bare minimum you know scare the cat <laughs> you know you make me think of a jazz term they, <laughs> instead of saying practice they say go shed that out like go yeah. take it to the shed and get out of here for a minute <laughs> yeah it's too much yeah the first thing i do with the kids is i try not to use the word practice i'll just say play go home and play love it yeah practice it. seems to have a negative connotation because yeah. it, it sounds like work and it is don't get me wrong oh, sure <laughs> however when you're when you're 11 the word work is not very fun. Mm -hmm. Just go play. Not at all. And and I even say, I don't care what you play. Play stuff in the book. Play stuff we did in class. Find something online. Yeah. Play. Mm -hmm. Because it's about building muscle memory and, and ear training and all these other. It's not really about, yeah, we'll learn the notes. Like John said, like the notes will come. Yeah. We're going to spend the same we're going to work on the same five notes for nine and a half months. So don't worry. We'll get there. <laughs> okay. But it's about all of the other things. And, and I usually tell parents. I mean, 10 or 15 minutes a day because okay. it's much more about consistency. Uh -huh. You can't cram for a playing test. You can't cram for a concert. No. This is a being a musician is a 24 seven mm -hmm. commitment in terms of this is you live this life. And so 10 to 15 minutes a day of playing will mm -hmm. be enough to get the muscle memory and the ear training and the confidence and the shed work, right? I'll, I'll steal the jazz term. I love that. Oh, right? I love that. I I've been messing up this Never measure forever. Just go home and get angry at it for a little bit yeah. and work it out. And yeah. that's a, yeah. that's part of it. I, I totally concur with the 10 to 15 minutes thing. Uh -huh. And also that, you know, you need it more day to day than you can't cram. No. You know, you we understand how short term memory works. You know, there's a limited capacity there and we're trying to get it into long term. And you can't do that one hour at a time and one hour a week at once. It's got to be little bits. You're kind of pushing it in there as you go, especially muscle memory and using lungs and things like that. Yeah. Right. They're little lungs. They're little 10 year old, little tiny person lungs. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a girl on tuba right now in sixth grade and <laughs> she's the best. She's really working hard, but she has this face like when she's exasperated, like <laughs> I just can't for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's more air in this instrument. Tuba than sit my this one out, like looking body. at her like. You yeah. need some oxygen? Do you need to lay down? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Go get a drink, sweetheart. Yeah, she's smiling. I think she's good. She's okay. She's not blue. <laughs> yeah. She'll make it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also, you know, just to punctuate that practice, like, I'm not a big fan of homework for school. The reading, especially the kids that I deal with as a school psychologist, they get to the point where reading and 
math and writing, everybody's crying at home. That's the conversation I have a lot of times with parents mm. is like, oh my gosh, you should not be spending two, three hours a night on homework. But you know what? If your kid's in band and that's something that's successful for them, okay, so they grinded it out for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes per grade level on on the reading and math. Give them a reward. Let them play their instrument. Well, it mm. uses the other side of the brain anyway. Right. So it's not even using the part of the brain that was fatigued. Yeah. It's using the untapped portion. Dig it. Because if you were doing all the academic work, it's one side. And as soon as you go to the creative That's side, good point. you're That's resting really that good point. and you're activating mm-hmm. something that you haven't activated yet. So you yeah. still have a full tank of gas on the other side of the head. I love it. Ooh, maybe they'll play for three hours that night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll, I love they'll it. Go to the <laughs> play for three hours on Saturday. Yeah, great. <laughs> the oh, one great. thing I can see your lip is split, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, Oops. take a break today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing, though, is I was speaking to sixth graders about this because I asked them to take their horns home, you know, two, three, 20 minute practice or whatever works. Everybody's got things in their life. They're working around. There's a reality to it. But then there's that sense of like, uh, you know, they, they get home, they've had class, they do great with me. And then they sit down in the room with their horn and they're like, I don't know what to do. Yep. So uh. that's a big one. Like, I don't know how to practice. So I spend a lot of time taking the classes through that process, like take a snapshot, do the best you can pre-test style, play the whole thing Mm -hmm. to the best of your ability today in this room. Then we identify the places we need to practice. I'm big on pencils. There's a million in my room. I get them all after the PSSA tests. Like nobody's using them anymore. So I have a thousand pencils, write it down, make a target, you know, start uh, macro, play the whole thing, micro pieces, play, play chunks at a time, play it at least three times and then Mm -hmm. go back and add it to the hole and play the hole again and make an assessment again. So there's like this little process. Try to keep it simple. I say it all the time. I probably get maybe a quarter of the kids that come back and say that works and that's enough for me. But (laughs) They're the only ones that practice probably. Yeah. You know, parents that bought the instrument for the kids often have a little bit different perspective on that. Like, you know, we want to get our money's worth there, boy. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're practicing. So I let them do that part, but I'm showing them how, because man, when you sit down in your room by yourself and, you know, you got things going around you without your teacher there, it can be really hard to do. Well, yeah. And that's, I have parents tell me all the time, they don't know how to help with the math homework. Like the instruments, yeah. like you might as well teach them Russian while you're yeah. at it. You know, it's complete. <laughs> yeah. You know, what what's a, if a parent isn't a band director? How are they supposed to help a, a child figure out? Like they don't know even know what hand goes on top on a saxophone. Yeah, music is the only thing I can help my kids with with their schoolwork. Yeah, same. Yeah. same. <laughs> if I if I start helping my nine year old son with his math homework, I swear and walk away. Oh, I can't I, do it. Yeah, so, yeah. I just feel, yeah. But he's a darn good trombone player right now. So <laughs> I bet we got he is. something. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> What grade is he in now? Fourth. Nice. Um, First year. Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. He's so, adorable. He is adorable. Any other uh, thoughts about the uh, band director, many hats, or practice, anything like that? I mean, I could go on. I guess it's, uh, you know, looking at it from the other side, uh, you, you, you want to get a quality instrument because you're setting your son or daughter or whomever up for success. You don't want that to be in the way of them. Uh, when it comes to finding one, there's a lot of avenues and I would say, beware of what you can't see. Like don't buy something just because it's cheap. You probably will pay later on Mm -hmm. that. Um, when it comes to practicing, finding a private teacher is a big deal. It's harder and harder to do, but it's worth asking if you're really serious about it. That really takes it to the next level. Band directors can only do so much. We've got a, a lot of hats and you know, when it comes to focusing on, 
a very specific thing, well, we're happy to. There's a lot of plates spinning in the room at that time. Mm-hmm. So finding an extra teacher for that person, uh, you know, that's always something band directors happy to do because they love when people take lessons. Um, but as far as, you know, teaching a beginner or something, I think it's really, really good if they have picked their instrument, not being told what they want to do or whatever. It's like, you know, you've kind of had some experience and they have it in their core. Like, this is something I want to do. It's it's about me, you know, and that kind of begins their relationship with the horn. I love what Dave said about, you know, replacing the word practice with play. I love it. That's too. A, that's a good one. I'm going to be borrowing so that. So friendly. thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it does feel a bit of a punishment sometimes or the connotations a little bit, you know, heavy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for an 11 year old kid, go play a little. I love that. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Ask Jen Psych. I look forward to sharing the next episode with you. If you have a topic that you would like to hear discussed, you may email it to me at askgenpsych at gmail.com or at the link in my bio. Please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram for more information. Drop a review if you're feeling inspired. Have a great day.